Hey guys, Jeff here from BestTechie.com, and this is Techie Bytes episode 51. Today I'm speaking with Sujin Patel, co-founder at Ramp Ventures, the firm behind products like Mailshake and Write Inbox. We discuss building web-based businesses, how to generate leads and interest in new businesses, enhancing your SEO, and what it means to take risk. Enjoy. This podcast is supported by Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your own professional website. Choose a template you love or start from scratch, drag and drop to customize anything, and use advanced design features like video backgrounds and image galleries. You can even add professional business solutions like an online store, booking system, or blog. I've personally tested and reviewed Wix on Best Techie and can say without a doubt that Wix is extremely easy to use and a great choice for both novice and advanced users. So go ahead, try it yourself. Go to Wix.com and create your own website today. That's Wix, W-I-X.com. I'm here with Sujin Patel uh, of Ramp Ventures. Uh, you may have heard of some of their products, uh, such as Mailshake and Write Inbox. Uh, Sujin's actually been on the web for a long time. He's been a, a serial entrepreneur, uh, building a lot of different web-based companies. I'm super excited to have him here today. So Sujin, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to talk to you today. Yeah, I, look, you've 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 accomplished a lot um, so far. You know, with with the various different companies you've launched or acquired and 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 stuff. But let's let's start at the the, the basics, right? So let's uh, give us give us a kind of a flavor of who you are and what you do on a day to day basis. Yeah. So um, you know, my you know my my background's in marketing. So what I do every day is uh, I'm in I'm I'm talking in my my. I'm talking and working on the marketing stuff, um, and you know, um, I would say marketing and growth, which leads into kind of product. Uh, my role at Ramp Ventures is, I would say, you know, CMO. I, I really don't have a title because I, you know, everyone kind of does everything, but mm-hmm. anything customer facing. So it's the whether it's the product, or customer support, customer success, sales, marketing, kind of rolls up into into me. Um, and in my day to day is oh man it's like it's different every day uh, we've got eight companies in our portfolio um so you know a lot of the beginning of my day is checking in on every little thing every every company and, and ending the day the same way uh, more of the stats and all that stuff and then everything in the middle is just kind of uh more helping the team kind of move forward or answering questions and then i have a usually a project or two that i'm kind of leading or moving forward what kind of, what kind of stats do you, do you review let's say on a daily basis uh, what like what's important to you yeah that's a good good question um, so I've got like I actually funny enough I look at Google Analytics uh, uh, stripe and um, and then we have our own admin dashboards for every one of our companies so I start with I start with that and I just have these admin dashboards kind of on the background um, on my desktop. But I, I can pretty much, I, I, when I'm looking at stats, I'm looking at traffic, I'm looking at like conversion rate, I'm looking at number of sales, uh, and, and really just kind of seeing how I was, how we're pacing um, for the morning and how we did yesterday. Um, and with those, you know, those are just like uh, conversion rate, number of free trials, number of customers. Those are just kind of like, or any new traffic sources coming in, like any spikes, decreases, whatever. And those are all things that I use just to like, um, kind of get a gauge of uh 
how things are. Now, if there's a problem, if something goes down and, you know, something changes, I go in there and, you know, I got to go, um, you know, figure it out. Um, but, but that, that gives me a good view of, uh, what's happening. Yeah. So like, so like with, with your Google analytics setup, for example, I, I'd imagine you have different custom events set up and things like that, or, or how did, how, did, how, how have you found a way to utilize Google analytics? I guess, let's say to the fullest. Uh, so it's a mo- the most effectiveness for you in terms of tracking this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, I use, um, I've got all the conversion data. I've got lots of goal goal tracking, um, usage data in GA, and um, and and that just gives me a picture of like new people signing up, customers coming through the door, and what that conversion rate is. I have a benchmark every day of like what I'm looking for. These you know every company has its own kind of conversion rate, and then just some somehow I've memorized these like 20 numbers in my head. And some, <laughs> how how did we pace yesterday to what we actually on average do, right? And so I'm always looking for better than last month. Um, day by day, obviously swings, but um, part of this is just making sure I don't something doesn't go wrong. Um, yeah. So engagement, meaning like, you know, in SaaS, you know, you can get a lot of signups, but very little people who do the right things. And so one of our goals is like they let's say for a company, BallonNorbert.com, which is an email finding tool. Uh, you know, building your prospect list. It's, it, it's for salespeople. Um, it's kind of what you would do before you use MailShake to send emails. Um, you know, you have to use the platform before you would ever consider purchasing. So we've got some trigger that's a goal that is after they've done X amount of, uh, of searches, that would, uh, that's what I would consider a, an active user. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I look at active users, see how that, that paces and whatnot. So each business has their own kind of metrics. But for the most part, I'm looking for traffic, traffic sources, signups for free trial signups or, or, or free signups, cut number of customers, and the conversion rate between all of those things. Mm-hmm. And, then, it, and then active users. Right. So, so, so for active, so in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, the active users, like, um, how do you come up, how did, how do you come up with the number that, that, that makes sense for your business. Like, uh, you know, let's say it's, tw- let's say, you, you know, the, uh, after they do 10 searches, for example, um, you know, over the course of whatever, a month or something, you know, then they're considered an active, like, how do you, like, what, 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 what do you do to, de- uh, what, have, like, what have you kind of figured out to determine, all right, this person should be considered an active user and we should try and get them to convert into a paying customer? Yeah, so um, you know we try different things. Uh, part of it, so like, get, so we have done a lot of testing to get to what our number is, and I can't tell you it, the exact number, of, but it's searches. So for mm-hmm. Norbert, you have to do X amount of searches for before we consider you an active customer because we've done lots of qualitative. So let me walk you through how we've got to that process or that number, that specific number for us. Sure. We've done a lot of customer interviews, user interviews. Um, we've looked at like like quantitative data of like, okay, what's the amount of searches somebody does before they become a per- customer? And like looking at that trailing effect from like 100,000 to zero, right? And there's a mm-hmm. number there where that's like a, ah, okay, this is a pretty good leading indicator. Like we've got X amount of users coming through the door. Let's just, to keep it simple, let's call it 10,000 people coming, signing up every month. And then you know, let's say 50% of them do five searches. And so 
you know, and, and maybe like 70% of people who do five searches end up purchasing. So like, then my goal is to not get people to purchase. My goal is to get people to do those five searches. And these are all just, I'm filling in random numbers here, but like, that's kind of my logic of thinking through this. Now, uh, depending on your company, whatever it is, you know, depending on the listener's company, everything's going to change. But like, there is an active benchmark. And in the beginning, if you can't interview customers, you don't have enough people through the door, you're kind of guessing at it. And then maybe that's not the right thing, but there is no right answer. There's just an answer. Something is better than nothing. And, and like you get over time closer and closer to what that right thing is. Uh, right. Because signups mean little to nothing if people don't do the first step. And, right. uh, you know, um, we've yeah, made like, a like very – If they, if they sign time. up and they're not using the product, chances are they're not going to convert to pay for it. Um, right? So it's like finding the right – the sweet spot, if you will. Uh, what you know? How, how how many searches is enough searches that the people see the value of the product and are more likely to convert? Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So so that's super. I mean, so so one of the things um, that I that I know uh, that I know about uh, about what you what you do at Ramp Ventures is that not only do you guys build products, but you also like acquire other people's products, right? Like you you've. You've bought, even over the years, you've, you've acquired uh, products along the way, new properties that you think have uh, have have potential, growth potential. Um, and yeah. I, I guess, yeah, so what I want to know kind of from you is like, as, as someone who's built a lot of web-based businesses, um, what, what do you look for when acquiring a new property uh, as opposed to building it out yourself? Like what, like how do you kind of weigh the build versus buy? And, and what do you also look for when, when you do buy? Yeah, so for me, uh, it's always buy. Um, we okay. built Mailshake and another company called Narrow. We started those companies back in 2015, so about four years ago. And this is, or I guess, this would be our fourth year. Um, and um, and um, it was really hard. I mean, it took us a long time to get to profitability, you know, and and, and getting product market fit and. Through this process, we realized, holy crap, building a company from the ground up is really freaking hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and there's a number of reasons uh, why it wouldn't work and, and when it doesn't work. And just getting to a viable business is tough. And um, then it's then you go from a viable business to a somewhat profitable or, you know, let's just call it a business of some size. Okay, some size being, you know, 10, 20, 50K in monthly in revenue, 100, 100K in revenue, some size, right? Because can, that can vary what that means. Mm -hmm. And then it's to scale, right? So uh, most companies never make that first step. Most companies, when they, that, that do make that first step, never get past that second or don't make the second step from like a viable product to a product people use and is a business that's, you know, a, a, I guess from a viable product to a viable business. Mm -hmm. And that's where we buy companies. Uh, we, we buy them at the viable business. Um, and, and and really, I don't build anymore. And I don't plan on building anything new for the next, um, you know, I, I guess like I'm five years into a 10-year journey. I've committed my like 30s to this this ramp ventures business and i probably will continue doing more but um 
um, that's kind of where I'm at. So I don't see myself building more businesses. Um, so we're just looking at buying. What we look for uh, and what to look for is just changes by different like objectives. My objective is and, and our strength is we know how to operate and grow businesses. I've done it in the agency world many times. I've been an employee of a SaaS business. I've done it in my own businesses. And so we're like, let's go look for companies that we can buy that we can grow. Um, and so it turns out, you know, there's a lot of SaaS businesses started by a lot of smart, either developers, smart people, smart founders, but they got stuck somewhere, right? They either failed to level up, they, 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 they couldn't figure out how to grow. Like maybe they tried a couple of times, like I've kind of done like, I'd rather just kind of start something new, you know, number of reasons why like founders would want to exit before their pro product becomes like a unicorn or a huge business. Um, and, and so that's kind of where we come in. And if there's an opportunity to, we see an opportunity to grow it, expand the product um, and, and, and make the business profitable, um, we would look at buying it. You know, we look at probably like 50 companies a month somewhere there. Um, mm -hmm. We buy one to two a year. So that number, like the, the numbers are really, really small in the companies we buy. Um, you know, we just get smarter at, um, smarter at um, of what we're looking for and kind of what we can do and, and, and what it takes. And uh, I can tell you that um, there's, it's really hard to build a viable business. Um, you know, it's expensive hiring. Uh, churn is a really big problem in SaaS, commoditized, mm -hmm. lots of commoditized space. Lots of just total addressable markets are really, really small. So those are all kind of, I don't mean this interview to sound very negative, <laughs> <laughs> Those are all the reasons why a business wouldn't succeed. Um, and I would compare our business most similar to a private equity firm. However, we're not a private equity firm. We, private equity firms generally kind of operate the business to maximize the cash that the business can generate, which usually means cutting costs, not continuing to expand the product, and milking it. Uh, I don't yes, mean this in a right. negative way, but that's the model and it works. Um, what I do is we still try to make a viable business and make it profitable, but we do it by investing in growth uh, and investing in product and then fixing all the, the holes in the business. And sometimes that does mean like getting rid of the team and hiring a new team that is maybe more cost effective. Haven't had to really do that. Um, but but yeah, I mean, those are kind of I guess like it's it's it is a known scenario that we you know we would right. There are things do. you're that you're aware of that you may have to do right. Like right, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I've looked at plenty of businesses that are like I was like, how the hell are you guys making any money? And they're like, yeah, well, we have this plan and blah blah blah. You know, and, and again, like I think we're founders. I, I've been on the other side of it. I've been a founder. You know, I'm founder of Mailshake. I've founded a couple other businesses as well, uh, successful businesses and lots of failed ones. Um, and now I'm on the other side buying them and I'm like, guys, you really have to look at reality of like building a business that's viable, that, um, that, right. that, that isn't propped up by, by, by a lot of venture dollars. Right. I mean, cause that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we look at a lot of, um, uh, we look at a lot of companies that are failed Y Combinator, failed 500 startups, failed you know, whatever accelerator incubator, you know, out there. Um, and I, I would say the, well, I don't know if we want to go down this path, but there's a lot of reasons 
uh, you got to be really, really careful here of, of when you get funding, um, how you structure your deal, how much funding you get, uh, and when to walk away from like shutting down the business. Cause like, um, cause if you think about it, we, we, I had a, you know, we were talking to a person like, um, a few years ago and I can share this information. I won't say the names and stuff, but like the guy was, you know, the company was making like 10 or 12 K a month and just, you know, hundred over a hundred grand a year. But you know, he was probably making two, three grand a month in his pocket. Now that's a shitty salary for a very smart person. If that person went and got a job and they would have been a really good product manager and gotten over, over a hundred K probably somewhere mm-hmm. around 150. Um, and, and now it's not all about money and all that stuff, you know, passion and, and, and stuff is important, but like, okay, times that times working on something that's kind of failing to grow by three, four years. And you, you know, then they raise money and, and you know, they raise, I think two, 300 K. Um, now a SaaS business kind of valuation is somewhere between two X to seven X. 7x, 5, anything above 4, 5, it's like you got to be ridiculously good numbers, like high growth, right? Like pretty much anything above 4x is like you probably won't want to sell anyways because you're growing. So um, so it's really low X, so low number. So what this person was, the situation was, was like the business was worth at 3x, let's call it that, was worth, you know, $300,000, let's call it like he was making 100000 let's call it 300000 Well, he, he raised 300000 and so what he sold his business for goes right back to his investors to get their yeah. money back. Right. And so he ended up walking away. We're getting a shitty salary for five years and you know, really good experience, but like bad, bad deal. And he could have stopped him. He could have stopped. Uh, and, and before he raised that $300,000, um, two years prior and said like, what do I want to do with this business? And maybe sold it then. And, and he would have got 300 K in his pocket. So, so anyways, my point is, be careful with funding because you know you, you any amount of money you get expect to pay that back before you if you ever fail expect to pay that back or or sell it expect to pay that back before you get anything out of it yeah absolutely i mean i i could see his thought process i mean perhaps if he thought that the money would help them scale it and grow uh and would and would and would they would be able to you know facilitate growth um I could maybe see that's why you take the investment at that point, but if, but if that's not going to happen, if 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 you know if 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 you've had trouble for years, uh, at that point maybe maybe it's not maybe it's not the right time to take on that uh, that investment. Yeah, or like you know, hey, look, you like absolutely re- totally agree. Like spending, like getting that getting that money to try to make the business work. You tried something for yourself, and you're okay. Let's try something new, but like one year after that it's time to like, Hey, let's return the capital. Let's go, let's go, let's go try something new. Right. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that part of the problem with, with, with this is situations like this or like, um, you know, founders are kind of jack of all trades in the beginning. Um, but they have a core expertise, you know, however, like whether you're a product manager, dev, me, in my case, marketing, um, you know, some people are salespeople. Everybody has their own kind of deep expertise, but like, you know, ultimately you have to be a jack of all trades, but like that only gets you so far. And so I think you really need to hire like expertise that you're lacking. Um, and so that means maybe hiring a marketing company, a marketing firm, maybe it hires a marketing hire, maybe that's, 
uh, a developer to kind of build cleaner code. And, you know, so I think it's really, really important to like, when you are struggling to get to from, you know, viable product to viable business, think about who you can hire, who can do a better job than you. So like, I'll give you an example at my company, Rap Ventures, we've got like six marketing people, um, you know, each one, almost like one per company. All of those guys are better at what they do than I, better at what they do than I am. At some point, I was good at that, and I was better than them, and I hired them to take it over. But like, you know, it's been years now. They're just like we have this guy at Mailshake. He's he's an awesome content marketing person. He runs the blog. He runs he runs our content calendar and tells me what to write about. And I used to be the other way around. But, right, right. Know, hiring people who are better than you is your job as a founder because absolutely 100 percent. yeah you need to you need to have talent yeah you certainly don't want to be the smartest person in the room absolutely not for long yeah not for long yeah yeah <laughs> not, not for, not long. for yeah, long yeah exactly uh, so wait wait so 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 i have one additional question in terms of this acquiring um companies uh topic so are you so are you are you like when you acquire companies like are you are, are you willing to pay a somewhat of a premium at that point versus because you think that paying somewhat more uh, to get a company you really want that's kind of doing okay will ultimately be cheaper than kind of building it out yourself or or how do you think about from a from a from a you know a payment standpoint how do you think about it uh, well we put together kind of um, we have our own kind of calculations it's fancy for this crazy spreadsheet that we put together for every single company. Uh, based off all the costs and financials and we think about what we can pay for it like it is a the numbers that we put in it's more like a projection like PL, but like it's projections for the future of like the next three years five years whatever it's usually three to five years it tells us what our pain what we're gonna like what the deal if we were to go run that company and do the things we're gonna do what the outcome of those things in revenue would be and that would give us ultimately how much money we'd make. And then that informs us um, what the multiple we would be willing to pay would be. Um, mm -hmm. And so sometimes, yeah, premium absolutely works, right? Um, sometimes, most times, no. Because again, like uh, I say this most times, no, because if the business was super viable, um, like amazing, you either probably they, wouldn't sell it or, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, but but the, again, when I say premium, I'm going off of like industry average uh, of what like a SaaS business goes for, which is kind of like if you're under 10 million, it's around. Um, this is not my data. This is a company called SEG Software Equity Group. They do this study every quarter. I believe it is 3.4 x on on private transactions that happen for companies under 10 million dollars that are SaaS, okay. and it's assuming like they're like a profitable business right. that's the blended average gotcha so that makes we, sense i mean look yeah it makes sense as SaaS businesses you know uh, typically b2b for the most part uh at least that's where a lot of the money is made if they do have a b2c arm it's not you know b2b b2 enterprise you know um that's where the real money is right um you know those large kind of contracts yeah absolutely yeah so I want to I want to talk a little bit of, um, about 
starting a new so you have started new companies obviously and even and even and even uh, when you acquire a company um, and you have to kind of get behind the wheel let's say so to speak uh, what do you, like what are the, some of the I mean I, I guess you've already started thinking about it because you've already put all that thought into the spreadsheet you mentioned before right kind of figuring out all right here's what we kind of have to do to that we think we have to do in order to get to this point right. Um, mm-hmm. what, 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 what are the, what are some of the first steps once you get behind the wheel? Like what, like where do you start? Yeah. So, I mean, we put together kind of a product roadmap of like what we want to build. I go start talking to, I think we start running the companies before we're like actually own them mm-hmm. during the, like after legal stuff has been signed. So it's a lot of like going and, and, and a part of this is like, like just to think about like during the due diligence and the purchase of it we become masters of like running this company and what it would be. Um, but there's usually a transition period just in, just in case to help. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at the marketing, we start, like we put the team in together. We like, we go, you know, whether it's hiring or a lot of times like moving over somebody and replacing them role, their role at another company, build the dev team. And we go to town and we go and put together like, Hey, what our roadmap's going to be. What like it's the same thing anyone would do if they own the, like they it's their own company that, from the beginning it's like we've got a Trello board we use Trello for like kind of a a roadmap of what's coming up you know the devs and designers and marketing people myself like we're all kind of talk through stuff I start interviewing customers usually at the at the uh, due diligence stage of just better to better understand who I'm working with mm-hmm. um, and who I'm selling to really and yeah so then the next three to six months. Uh, of uh, the first three to six months of operating a business would be really executing, putting together a roadmap and executing on it for both dev marketing and then again, staffing up. And, and I say three to six months because that's really what it takes to really get a grasp on kind of getting a functioning team to work in sync. Like, I mean like everything is going the same direction and like it's working. Right. And sometimes like, Sometimes we break stuff, and so I, I call that like the three to six month like honeymoon period of like make <laughs> right. you know uh, yeah so that that's what it looks like and you know most of the time we go and do lots of marketing so like we look at like how do we fix a conversion rate how do we go do content how do we should we do content what should we talk about like all those details around that yeah that makes a lot of sense that's a lot, that's you know having built an a SaaS company myself uh, uh, that. Sound that sounds right. <laughs> That's exactly what we did. <laughs> you know, figuring out you know getting dev and marketing and sales and biz and business all you know all on the same page, making sure we're all work, working towards the same goal, identifying the the you know the things we have to do in order to achieve those goals. Uh, definitely, um, and 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 again, like you said in the before, like not everything is you know not every business is the same. In fact, most businesses are different. So. There are different tactics you could you will use for different businesses, um, mm-hmm. which leads me to the question. Uh, so you you know you work pr- pretty much I would I would say exclusively right in the, in the SaaS space right. So, what are some of the verticals within SaaS uh, that are interesting to you right now? Um, well, I think um, I'm interested in a lot of things. I think where. Um where i'm most interested in is sales tech because we Mm -hmm. have a bunch of sales tech so i think that's that's really cool i think uh we like it we know the customer and so i'm always kind of looking for more sales tech companies um i love hr tech um 
I, before Rap Ventures, I was uh, I was the head of marketing at a company called WhenIWork.com, um, employee management again HR tech company, and, and I, I was you know core team who took it from like a million to fifteen or so million in annual revenue in the course of a couple of years, and so uh, that's kind of where I fell in love with uh, with that HR tech space. Um, you know, I think those are two kind of like why do they why are these categories better than others I, I think it's an emotional thing more than it is a, a you know a logical thing mm. uh, and again expertise it's cool fun to work on so yeah I mean those are the two ones but like you know I guess like what I would like better answer better question is what industries would I avoid okay fair <laughs> uh, enough and I would yeah. say Warren Buffett uh, always marketing. says invest in what you know right so like yeah <laughs> but like exactly. go ahead what, what, so, what should you what would you avoid yeah, so I guess that's the rule I'm going by, right? It's like, and, and and do do work on industries we know. I would, but I would avoid marketing tech. Um, and you know, one a couple of our companies are in marketing tech, um, and and but and sales tech, marketing tech are really kind of blurred lines. Um, but yeah, I would avoid marketing tech. FinTech would be a tough one, um, and and really be really weary of like B two C SaaS. Um, mobile, like for example, um, anything mobile related is a big, hard, hard business to, to, to manage and run. And so B2C really, really hard to grow because, um, you may get good numbers. They, all the numbers on the front end look really good. Like you may get a lot of signups, but what if you got people who are just not willing to pay and the purchasing power of B2C is low and, and. This is not just my opinion. 0.9 Capital, um, 0.9 Ventures. I forgot. I think it's 0.9 Capital. They just did a release on like. Um, there's an article a very smart man wrote on how to build a hundred million dollar business, and this was five years ago. And there's there are many different ways you can get thousands and thousands of like ants or like rats and or mice. You can get like hundreds, uh, and, and it just kind of goes to like how big of contract value you're getting. Like from from like mice all the way to elephants and whales, meaning like you only need like a hundred clients paying you a million bucks each to get to hundred million dollars. Um, hard to get though, right? How do you get somebody to pay you a million bucks each? And then on the on the B two C SaaS, um, you would need like you know one million, million users paying one right. dollar. Yeah, one yeah. million, yeah, exactly. Stuff like that, one dollar a month, right? So you know um, when you get to high numbers on either end, it's really hard. So I would be weary of both extremes, both spectrums, um, and and not not that like you're trying to build a hundred million dollars. I'm just saying if you did the calculations on a hundred million dollars, and it looks really hard and like impossible, well, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not impossible. I mean, it doesn't mean it's going to change at ten million or five million or one million. It's it's equally as hard, and and, and the numbers on the B to C side have to be such high volume that it's really really hard to make work. That's a really, really good point, and I think you, I think you framed it perfectly. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, if 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 a if hundred million looks hard, you know, chances are, like you said, it's going to be just as hard to get, you know, one million or five million or whatever, ten million, um, especially on the consumer end. Like you said, budgets are a lot lower, requires a lot more volume. Uh, awesome. I, I, so we're going to take a quick break right now, actually, and we'll be back in under a minute with more Sujin. This podcast is supported by Ahrefs. 
So you have a website and you want to rank better? Of course you do. Ahrefs is designed to be an amazing all-in-one SEO tool. In fact, I've been testing it and it lets me do things like generate millions of keyword ideas, discover new trending keywords every month, examine the ranking history of my site's individual pages, and even identify content gaps and opportunities. They also just launched the latest beta of their Keywords Explorer product. The new Keywords Explorer features clickstream data from 10 major data sources, including Google, YouTube, Amazon, Bing, and Yahoo. So now, when you start seeing even more best techie all over the web, you know who to thank. Go ahead, check them out at ahrefs.com. That's A-H-R-E-F-S.com. Oh, and feel free to tell them I sent you. And we're back. So one of the other things I wanted to talk about with you um, was, be, especially since you're a marketing guy, and I, and, I, and, um, I, and, I, and I know like marketing sales, there are, like there is some blur, like you said sometimes, especially when, when a good marketing and sales team is working together, uh, I found it to be most effective. But in your, uh, so, let's, so you acquire this company, you launch it uh, under, you know, you, you, re, you kind of relaunch it or just, you know, start maintaining it and, and, and executing on your plan. What is, what's the best way uh, that you found to generate interest, leads, cons- uh, customers and, and such? Like what, what, you know, what are some of the tactics you guys use? So this is a hard one to do, but easy as hell to say. Um, <laughs> it's it's, all it's always that case. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all about the product, the simplicity, the ease of use, um, and and avoiding friction points in the in, in in the flow, right? And so, again, fairly hard to do. You got to go look at the product, like work out the kinks, ask yourself, or hire a UX person. Like, how do I make the steps I have to use my product less? How do I reduce the steps? How do I reduce friction points? And I think you can get some pretty good answers. But I think really the product is the marketing. Every single one of our companies, like marketing is something we do on top. And marketing and sales is something we do on top of a really good product. So like it's uh, if we were to stop doing anything, the company would continue to exist and continue to expand because we've got a really good product. Now, again, when we buy companies, maybe they have the inklings of a great product that can do this, but we have to build some stuff. And so that's kind of, you know, we do that. Um, but yeah, ultimately it goes to having a good, good product. Like uh, our biggest channel for growth and it, it is, um, is, is word of mouth. And, and, um, and that comes from just people liking, liking the product and having a good experience. So if you have not the greatest product or you're like, okay, how do I do that? Think about it differently. Think about the experience. How can you make that better, right? So, like, um, what's a you, people have bought cars, right? Like, I, I, I'm a big car guy. I go to, the, I buy lots of cars. I've, I've like, uh, I've, I've got a, a bad habit of, of buying cars every you know, six months or so. Um, but anyways, um, so, but the car buying process is painful as hell, right? Like, here you have this, like, you're gonna buy this beautiful car you've always wanted, whatever. And, but then you have to go through the salesperson who's going to go through a manager who's going to go through the finance department. They're going to try to screw you in every which way possible, right? You kind of just right, know right. it, right? Yep. So like, um, but you're still happy because you're going to buy that car, right? And so it's the same thing people are using your product. Like, okay, well, they, you, you have to go do all these things to use it. So maybe your product is good enough or solves a big enough problem because to, for people to use it. 
but it doesn't mean they're happy going through it. So think about like, how do you make them more happy? So like, think about like Carvana and Zoom, um, both are online car companies that you can, car dealerships you can purchase from online and never, and they'll deliver a car to you and you got like, you know, money back guarantee and all that stuff. Like, so obviously there's a trust issue and all that stuff, but I'm just saying like, that's a good example of like the current process and the better like non-friction, better experience version. Yeah, assuming you absolutely. can get over that risk factor, right? So think about that. Like, so I always think about UX, the flow, what people are using your product for, what people use your product for and, and are hate or love. So talking to customers gets you a lot of this information and, and it's not like doing a boring customer interview. It's like, hey, customer tell me what you're doing like tell me what you love what you hate like what are you using this for and and just have them tell you their story like like okay just walk me through like what you do on like tuesday with this product and you'll find out like clear weak weak points in your in in your process and so yeah a lot of this is and why i do a lot more product stuff these days first of all it's not my background but like i've just realized like holy crap if i want to grow a business and do marketing i actually have to do a better job at product and that's actually a real big reason why a lot of my initial companies fail miserably because I didn't know shit about it and I didn't focus enough attention on it. Yeah, I, I, and look, that's a really great point. One that I also experienced when I was building my analytics company, Kaya. Um, you know, we spent a long, long time fine-tuning our registration flow, which is like you don't like typically you don't think about signing up and implementing like analytics, but like or just signing up on any service. But it's really important and really and really and it you know the more the more seamless it is, the easier it is to implement and and sign up for something, the better experience you provide to your customers and also the higher likelihood that they'll actually go through and 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 and, and actually start using the product, right? Because if they can't even get it installed, you're in big trouble. Exactly. That, I, mean, I totally agree. And obviously speaking with customers once they're on board, once they're using the product, getting their direct feedback so then you can then prioritize your, uh, or reprioritize your roadmap potentially depending on what the customer feedback is uh, and working with your dev team is so critical uh, to finding success. I mean, like it, with, without doing that, you're basically flying blind, right, so. Exactly. So let, let's let's shift gears. I want to talk a little bit about SEO because I know it's something uh, you're pretty pretty talented at. Um, and obviously, co- and, and content marketing is a huge part of, of of SEO plays these days. How should how should web companies be thinking about and or improving their SEO strategy? Yeah. So um, is is again easy one hard to hard to do. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so like SEO takes forever, right? Um, it, it, you know, uh, I've, run, I've run two different digital marketing agencies and the time frame of which uh, on average of about 200 something clients we've worked with to do achieve successful SEO results went from like three to six months um, in 2009 to like, I think it's now like at the 16 or 17 month wow. average. And this is an av- weighted, this is uh, an average of every single client to get to the results that they're looking for. So it's a yes, no, do we get there? If it's a no, then the, keep, the timer keeps going, right? So that's the study, 200 something clients, um, our own, Just this is just us and our, uh-huh. our ability. That's crazy. But 
it's a long time. It's like three, four X longer than it was before, right? A decade ago. Um, yeah. So yeah, like invest early, right? Invest early into SEO. And what that means is like, you don't have to do a perfect job. Investing early just means you got to create content every freaking consistently create content, yes. I guess. Not yes. every day, every month, every week, twice a month, whatever you can muster up. Like I would right. say, you're just starting off, maybe every, I mean, twice a month and just create something. The second thing is, if you're gonna create content, you might as well focus on good content. So think about what's a good <laughs> hook, right? I mean, if you're gonna do something, right? Like, if you're gonna go to the gym every single day or every, every uh, regularly or consistently, at some point, like you maybe start at a shitty job, but like everybody who goes to the gym consistently, let's just say motivation aside, um, you end up kind of doing the right things. Like, because nobody wants to go to the gym and do the wrong things. Maybe they don't know how to do the wrong things, but the same thing goes here is like, Start doing something because something is better than nothing. And you know, think about like, well, if you're going to do it, might as well do it right. And what that content looks like for your ideal customer. Like, what is it? What are they looking to read? Like, so a good example of this is like, um, have you are you a subscriber by any chance of the Morning Brew? It's like a uh, uh, daily. Am, no, email. I am not. I am not. Or like the Hustle. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So both are good examples of like good content a different angle on a very an, an, old, an existing space so their content is not anything more the things they're talking about can be read on if you want the information it could be on cnn it could be on fast company you can get this information so morning brew is like a financial daily newsletter the hustle um i want to say like a marketing business newsletter but yeah again you can go your business newsletter you can get to like you can get this information everywhere else the difference is they have a unique take it's like a broier version easier to consume made for millennials um that that's their difference so i think you can do that's another angle is you can take on is like is the voice the angle just a little different um or what can right. you that's do similar that's to what not, the skim does targeting uh women uh, exactly. They, Scheme is yeah. another yeah, perfect example. I obviously don't read that newsletter because I'm not a woman. Um, <laughs> but I, I probably should just to kind of have my uh, um, pulse on, on, on the space. But yeah, um, exact same thing. And, and again, like so two things to focus on in SEO, um, create content regularly. Um, think about what problems your customers have and just create content on that. Um, do you know I, I think it's uh, it's important to do an seo audit or create a stra seo strategy um the hack to get the most roi from uh from an agency or like to spend get the most roi with spending the least is um hire an agency to do an seo strategy or or an seo agency or seo consultant to do an seo strategy or an seo audit for your company and then just over time implement all the stuff you can implement for cheaper than an agency can do it for um, Good advice. Again, I, like, puts, I like that. It, it puts the hard stuff back on your plate. So not always recommended if you're busy. In some cases, you know, it's probably better to go do hire the agency so you don't spend time and focus on it. Um, but anyways, you know, they're going to tell you all the keywords to go after. They're going to tell you maybe how to structure your site better. And then you've got that part covered. And, and then you just create content. And the second part of this is building links. And, and promoting your content. And, and both of those are kind of go hand in hand. Um, and links and, and the value of them isn't going away. It's getting more and more important. Um, well, a lot more important. It's harder and harder to build links. Um, but age is, is getting more and more important of these links. And so 
yeah, the, the earlier you start, the better. Um, we could talk about it for a whole hour on that process alone. <laughs> I, I, but like, I feel like we just, definitely could. <laughs> I'll have to have you come it. back for that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll send you some links for the show notes too. So Sounds um, good. You can quit there. Awesome. All right, so we've got two more questions before we get to the lightning round. One, the first, this one, I, uh, the next two are, I think might be my favorite uh, so far. I mean, I really enjoyed everything we talked about so far, but these are interesting to me because they're more personal. Um, so you're, so you're a pretty big risk taker. For example, I read on your website that you asked your wife to marry you two weeks into dating her. You dropped out of college. You also went, you've gone skydiving. Um, I got to ask, how do you calculate risk for yourself and how do you determine what's an acceptable level of risk? <laughs> yeah, good question. So, uh, <laughs> early in my life, uh, I just did it. I didn't think twice and I didn't calculate it. I just went, right? And like... It, it probably wasn't very smart, but like I made it here. Uh, I'm a little bit. That's all that matters. You now. made it here. <laughs> made it here, right? Like I've, I've made it. Fifteen years past this time, I started doing dangerous stuff or like <laughs> risky stuff, right? Um, and, but I've gotten smarter. Um, so I think uh, I look at FOI, like fun on investment, um, and I think um, like I just look at like what's the worst that could happen. I, mean, I, I don't really think about the worst that can happen, but like what am I trying to achieve? Like, I'm going to have the most fun. And like, what is the cost for this fun? And so cost could be time. A lot of times it is. It could be, a lot of times it's dollars. A lot of times it's the risk of like, okay, well, I'm going to go scuba dive. I've never done it before. Well, I can go take a lesson. Okay, not so risky anymore. Now if you're like, I'm going to go scuba diving with sharks. Like, how much (laughs) fun is that going to have, give you? How much time is that going to take? Because it's going to take away from something else, right? Uh, how much is it going to cost? And like, shit, how risky is that part, right? Um, and you know, if you look at percentages of like all the things I do, and then you look at how many people die, the percentage of people who die from this stuff, it's really, really high. Um, but that's a horrible way to look at life. So I just <laughs> still like I take that I take that plunge. But I, I, I've broken eighteen bones in my life um, from just. Ow. Figuring out in uh, so many different ways. Uh, as a kid, <laughs> just goofing off, jumping off my roof, and you know, I made it through the first stair, um, made it through the first uh, story. So I was like, let me jump off the second story part of it, or like a little higher part. <laughs> I didn't make it past that. So um, yeah, snowboarding, motorcycles, just random stuff like that. And um, um, so lots, lots of broken bones. And so I kind of have a reminder. I've got a tattoo of the of just like a tally mark of number of bones I've broken in my hand. Oh, um, and so it just reminds me to like have fun, but like I just, every every time I want to take something to that next level, um, I just look down like maybe, <laughs> just maybe back off a little bit, right? So like I go to the racetrack all the time in my bike and my car. Um, and you know, um, I, I, I've, I've made it through uh, doing hundreds of track days and um, you know, without very little, with very little scars and, 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 and injuries. But, um, part of this is like, if you stick at the 70, 80% of doing that activity and not go to the extreme edge of whatever it is, you're kind of in the safe zone of that. Right. So like, tw- I think it's like the statistics of like 20% of skydivers die or like the risk. I, I don't know what the, it's 20 something percent. Like, likelihood you're gonna die if you go skydiving but like not likely if you just it's your first time because you go tandem with someone else because 
there's no stat for that, right? And so, like, mm-hmm. I would say if there's a stat for that one, tandem skydivers, I would say it's like, like, 0.5% people die because you're going with an experienced skydiver. So um, now, if you go and you know go crazy, and and you're going to an exotic destination, you pack your own chute. Well, that's a really risky thing, right? Um, so I, I think it's like there's some safe zone in these risky activities and I try to stay in that safe zone. Gotcha. Not very calculated here, but that's kind of my logic around it. Probably stupid. I'm going to probably in 10 years be like, <laughs> yeah, that was dumb too. I, I hope, I hope that doesn't happen to you. I hope that, you know, I, I, I get the logic. I think, um, I get the logic. I think it makes sense. Hopefully it's going to continue to work out for you in that way. <laughs> uh, yeah, <okay. laughs> yeah. So, Last thing, the last uh, question I want to ask you in terms of uh, before we get to the lightning round is, so you work a lot, right? Um, you're kind of you're very open about that. Uh, you work like eighty hours a week, six days a week, and I, I just I have to ask. So what's what's the mentality behind that? Why do you do it that way as opposed to some I don't know working potentially less? Um, I. My personality is like I just go I'm like hundred and fifty percent or zero percent. Like so if I do something, I just wanna go do it like not right, but I just wanna go all in. Mm-hmm. Um probably like relates to kind of like, hey, me jumping in, marrying my wife or like getting proposing in two weeks. Like I just <laughs> when I know I wanna do something, I just go do it, right? Like I hate my personal pet peeve is like this word try. It's just like you don't can't you don't try. You either you do something or you don't do something, right? Like I'm gonna yeah. try to get back to you. Like no, no, you either just get back to me or you don't, right? Uh, and it, 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 that's it's like one or zero. Uh, and it's the same thing for me in terms of like doing something. It's like it's either a one or a zero. I'm gonna do it or I'm not gonna do it. And if I'm gonna do it, I think there's an effective way to do it, and um, and I'm just gonna do it the best way I know how. Um, and, and I think um, that's kind of part of it. I think the other part is like I don't actually consider what I do work. Like. If somebody asked me how much yeah. work do I do, how many hours I work, I probably would say 20 to 30, um, mainly because that's the amount of crap I do that I don't want to do. Well, not as <laughs> we don't want to do, but it's like admin stuff, like paying right. bills. Right, oh, I hate like, admin stuff. Like hiring <laughs> I people. Like, I, I love hiring and building a team. I hate interviewing people when I know like the call is useless, it's not gonna fit, or not call is useless, but like five minutes in the call, I'm like, okay, now the next 15 minutes i just have to be nice and figure out how to get off the phone when right with, you know with the candidate so like you know there's probably 20 30 hours a week i just have stuff i do every week that i hate doing and it's like the other stuff like i like marketing i like challenges and so you know part of the reasons we've, we've got eight companies and why i'm doing it this way is um not that you know all my all, all smarter people than me and mentors and advisors have said like you should focus and like you're right i should focus you just don't know my goal when you say i'm unfocused like because they think about like you should focus on this company it's gonna be the biggest thing but i'm like hey what if my mission or goal is like i'm gonna build a i'm gonna build a company that owns and manages a bunch of companies like what if that changes everything right so i I just kind of like working on multiple things and it is like when i'm one thing is going and i'm done working on i go move on to the next thing and um it's a superpower of like being able to switch gears really quickly um, and I just enjoy it because it never, I have never a dull moment. Yeah. I, look, I, uh, I'm, I'm very similar in that sense. Uh, you know, it just so happened a lot, 
my my hobby kind of turned into my work over a year over the years right um so i feel the same way as you do in many instances i guess one of the, i want to spin real quick to you how do you how do you view it from your employees standpoint do you feel that they have to put in 80 hours too or do you more uh or is it more a personal thing that for you uh, no, I don't think it's a, I definitely don't, um, I think it's more personal for me. Um, I definitely don't, I don't want people to work that hard. It's, it's stupid. Um, I, you know, I, I think, um, it's not sustainable and I, you know, I'm not planning on doing this forever type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I judge my team's time and people who work for me based off the outputs. Yes. Um, and, and not to say like, Oh, if you can get your output done and 20 hours and half the time just work 20 hours it's no like you know you got to still work you know a full work week but it's like how do you maximize the roi or the output you can get from your efforts so yes. you know i think somebody has to do has to put in the effort and time and, and grind it out but um it's definitely not 80 hours a week because people would break they would just mm-hmm. last maybe a couple months and then they, I, I can't do this anymore so you know i'm looking at their their timeline is more of like 10, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can I have, I, I always look at employees is like, how can I employ this person forever? How can I be working with this person? Not necessarily employ them, but work with them forever. And when, if you think about the forever route, one, it changes like who you hire. Cause then you, any person you hire is like, well, I, I want to, I plan on working with them forever. Right. It's like a way higher bar. It's like, how do you interview people to be in your family? It's the, that's kind of how I look at it. Um, but then also, um, you know, when you look at forever, then, you know, how much they work in a week or a month, it becomes a lot less irrelevant. Right. No, I a agree. I think, I think that's very level-headed. I think that makes sense. Um, I, and I, and I, 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 yeah, I can't argue with that logic. I feel like, ju- uh, you know, kind of measuring output uh, is definitely the way I like to think about it as well. Uh, you know, I and I, I'm always of the mindset some, as well that I'm sure it seems like you are too that there's always something else you could be doing, right? If, if you got like all the stuff that's currently on your plate done in 20 hours a week, well, then you have now uh, a lot of time to kind of explore new things that we could be doing, right? So like, um, there's always something new or more that can be that can be done, right? So uh, I, I I get it. I, I think that makes sense. Yeah, it's, so it's tough out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. So let's. Uh, you made it through. Uh, let's make it. To, let's 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 uh, do the lightning round, which of course is supported by Wix. You can create a professional website today at Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com. So Sujin, whenever you're ready, you let me know, and we'll get started. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Current number of unanswered emails in your inbox. Two. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Um, I wish I wish mine was two. Mine's... <laughs> I'm inbox zero kind of person, so it's always yeah. Low. I, or, or I, I used to be, and I also had I also had an assistant who would help me go through my emails and reply for me on many of them. But uh, she recently joined the Air Force, so she's in basic training right now. So I've, I'm oh, in, no. I'm in like <laughs> a, a limbo stage. <laughs> uh, Mac or PC? Mac. What keeps you up at night? Uh, nothing. I sleep really well. <laughs> well. That's good to hear. Uh, where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Um, I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> I don't <laughs> you know. Me, you I don't, and me I, both. I'm actually working on that right now. Oh, really? 
Well, when you yeah, find I'm, out, you come back to me. You let me know on. I will definitely keep you posted. Right. I'll have to leave a comment on this podcast. Like, leave a note. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, last one. Jet or yacht? Jet. I, I had a feeling you were going to go with jet. Yeah, I All mean, right. I don't really want to be in the water slow. <laughs> Flo- floating around. Yeah, you want to go somewhere super fast. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Well, Sujin, it's been great having you on. I really enjoyed the conversation. If anyone who's listening wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, my website would be the best way, sujinpatel.com. Okay. Um, and, yeah, I, I answer every single one of my inquiries. Uh, um, all I ask is uh, Google stuff before you email people with questions. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Google That's is your bar. friend. Yeah, exactly. Yep. All right. Well, Sujin, again, I really appreciate you having on, and uh, I look forward to keeping in touch. Likewise. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. I had a blast. Thanks for listening to Techie Bites. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting the podcast at anchor.fm slash besttechie and or by leaving a rating interview on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers.